These are real people. They do have struggles. And it starts to get on my nerves. I just shut down. So many people suffer from mental illness. She's not a great match for me, and that's okay. A lot of people don't understand the depth of the situation, so they can't appreciate, yeah. Dad came upstairs, and then I heard him say, like, it's happened. And I was like, what's happened? It's difficult dealing with our minds. To get the word out that men have got to start talking. I feel like a lot of the friends that I did have have sort of stopped speaking to me because of it. And the suicidal thoughts were back. People knew that there was something not right, but they just never really said anything or probably felt like it wasn't their place to say anything. Not only did this help me to write it, mm. it potentially might have helped some other people as well. So it sort of started from there. And then she was like, can you tell me a bit about what's going on? So I told her everything and her face dropped. You're not depressed, it's, it's all in your head. That's probably the statement I've had people say the most. I mean, this, this, this shit is real and it's hard, it's exhausting. So many people think they're alone. And then you hear other people talk about it and they think, oh, that's, you know, that's so brave or I could relate to that. Um, and then they want to talk about it. Hello and welcome to Mike's Open Journal and to episode 99. Today I'm delighted to be joined by another new guest on the podcast, Dr Bumney, and today we're going to be talking about mental health in sport, particularly elite sport and football, or soccer as some of you may call it, uh, which I think is really relevant given that we currently have the FIFA World Cup taking place. We're going to be talking about a range of different mental health illnesses, um, including some of the things that sports men and women may struggle with during their career but also at the end of it so we will be touching on things like drinking and gambling as well um, just to make you aware of that beforehand we're also going to talk about some of the comments made by Danny Rose prior to England's involvement in the World Cup Uh, and Dr Bumley is also going to talk about the work that she's involved with uh, with Abeo Akinfenwa Um, some of you may know him as the beast So it's really interesting to hear about some of the work that she's involved with and the discussions that she's having uh, in her professional role as well. Uh, We also hear a little bit about Dr. Bumley's own experience with mental health, which is really interesting. and I think really shows um, the passion that some people really have with mental health and getting involved in those conversations, those campaigns to, to raise awareness and to support people that may be struggling with their mental health as well. We also touch a little bit on the beneficial side of sport and physical activity um, to all people to improve their their mental health, um, whether that's to do with their wellness or a particular illness as well. So really interesting conversation and absolutely delighted to have Dr. Bumley come onto the podcast and kind of share her knowledge and her experience as well. So a big thank you to her for being a guest on today's podcast. So hope you guys enjoy it. Thank you very much for clicking the link, for downloading. Um, If you'd like to be involved in the podcast in future, remember you can always get in contact with me. All of the details are at mikesopenjournal.com. But for now, I'm going to drop you straight into our conversation. So I hope you enjoy it and uh, I'll talk to you soon. So yeah, welcome to the podcast. Um, and I thank you. It feels like a weird. <laughs> it's a weird intro then as well because we've now had a little sit down chat and I'm going to not have that as part of the recording. Um, oh, <laughs> that's all right. <laughs> that's okay. <laughs> that's my fault. Um, but yeah, I don't know if you're happy to sort of introduce yourself a little bit and uh, tell us about why you're interested in kind of mental health uh, as a discussion point as well. All right. Thanks very much, my lovely. Um, what well, my name is Dr. Bummy Abouaba. Um, well, Bummy. Um, I'm a dental surgeon um, by profession. That was my uh, main profession. I've been, uh, you know, a surgeon for 32 mm. years. And what got me into mental health? Um, you know, I was coming from a, a you know, a, a really high stress profession where, you know, there's lots of exposure to different stresses. You know, patients and timekeeping and you know, litigations always, you know, in the forefront of your mind. And there's, there's lots of different stresses. And for me, I had my Anna's Horribilis back in 2007. I was I was burnt out. Um, I was, you know, this perfectionist. I always thought I had to achieve, you know, I had to perfect standards. Um, I was all things to all people, Miss People Pleaser. 
and it just spiraled out of control i you know i was kind of eating too much or eating too little you know i was sort of vacillating between you know being great and not being great um feeling that you know the only way i would uh feel respected etc was you know from other people's approval so it, it got quite severe severe anxiety um, depression. I never went on any medication, but what I did turn to was um, alcohol, um, and and that basically was was me. If I could control uh, my moods, I'd use alcohol uh, until it spiraled out of control. And um, as I just said, by two thousand and seven, I'd you know, had enough. Um, I went into rehab. Um, when I came out, I, I just knew that I had to change the way I thought. Um, I'd had to look at how. I was dealing with life because it was me not being able to cope with life um, as in life's terms. I wasn't, mm. I wasn't dealing with um, things that most people would probably easily deal with. Very, very sensitive um, to criticism, very sensitive to all sorts. And I had very, very high expectations of myself. Um, and that was one of my overriding um, problems. So I worked through those. Um, I had a lot of support from the profession. I had a lot of support outside. Um, I went into the 12 step um, at the beginning uh, for quite a few years, uh, which really sort of got me back on on track. But I recognise that, you know, different professions and people, cultures, we all have unique challenges when it comes to mental health, you know, and, and those similar challenges I find in you know, in other sectors, other 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 populations. And I'm just really passionate about addiction and passionate about mental health because it took me to a really, you know, very, very dark place, almost suicidal. When I'd finished my drinking, I could hardly walk. Uh, you know, I was in a terrible, terrible state and I never, ever wanted to go back to that again. And, you know, and I've worked very, very hard to achieve 10, 10 plus years of sobriety and good sobriety as well. Oh, yeah. Um, Thank you. Thank you. Good. <laughs> you know, but it's been a, it's been a good quality ten years. Mm. I didn't want to be, you know, white knuckling it or you know struggling. You know, I just thought, you know what, I'm going to turn I'm going to turn myself around and I'm going to really get as much help as I can, mm. and also explore other things in 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 um in life that's going to help me. You know, and what was my motivation? My motivation was my kids, you know, and it's the best I could be for them. But I had to be happy in myself and you know, I looked in the holistic side of life like, you know, um uh, crystals, you know, I'm a crystal therapist. Mm. I, I love using crystals, I love reiki, anything to do with with the the metaphysical side of life, I really love it. And and that was my passion, that was my motivation. I I, I really you know, I started to find colour back in life. It became technical again. It wasn't just work, home, work, home, and that was it. You know, I had, I actually had a hobby and never had a hobby before. Yeah, it's really cool to hear as well because it shows it's that journey, isn't it, that's got you to, I guess, where you are now and having that that passion and that personal experience, it gives you the the insight and the drive to to look at different things and to be involved in kind of questions and conversations around obviously yeah. mental health and but also the other areas that you've looked at and experienced with things like sobriety and um having had the the, the medical experience before as well and it's um it's really interesting to hear like parts of people's stories and how that's kind of affected where they've moved forward and so so many people kind of start off I think with that idea of what they want to do and yeah. um it changes over time and then it's interesting you every so often you find someone that says oh, I've never really known what I want to do and everyone else yeah. has got like a head start on me because they know and I'm like yeah they know <laughs> at the time but then it keeps changing and it's exactly it really is kind of about being open to that actually what what do you want to do now and look forward a little bit but don't look forward too far because exactly. you don't know what's going to happen and you don't know what's going to change yeah and... yeah because that just causes anxiety again doesn't mm. it it's, you know, when you set goals it's nice to you know keep it loose and just as you said yeah. just enjoy the journey enjoy being the present you know and my journey's evolved you know hugely over the last 10 years you know and uh and it's going to keep changing and that's all right that's fine mm. there's no there's no end point to anything yeah. um 
and that's what makes you know life so so lovely but i'm not saying that you know that i haven't got curveballs or that there's 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 problems yeah there's no problems in my life you know i now today can deal with the challenges in life that i couldn't before that i drank on that you know mm. caused me to be anxious and depressed you know i've got those tools and those kind of strategies and techniques um to help me have a great day you know whatever happens and and a great day is being in the moment you yeah. know and 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 being present and being in the moment and certain things are meant to be you know you know you are always supposed to be in that day whether it's a problem or it's not a problem and I really like um earlier on when you were mentioning about some of those struggles as well and um I think you hear this a lot more from people with lived experience but I don't know if it's I'm making that assumption based on just the people I happen to have spoken to but it's that understanding of um, sort of when you're struggling, you're not experiencing anything different or weird or strange. You're experiencing everything that everyone else is, but you're just feeling or dealing with it in a different way. You're maybe affected by it differently or to a larger extent. And I think that's been one of the big things for me about being involved in conversations around mental health that actually none of it's really weird <laughs> like as much as it's no. built up like that I'm like <laughs> that all totally makes sense and I've spoken to people with with OCD and real um compulsions about certain things and I'm like that totally makes sense I either would or have thought those things but it's mm. just that I'm able to move past those um yes. and I struggle with other things and it's mm-hmm. yeah it's once you start to get people talking about it I think that's when you start to realize actually this is all stuff is that affects it. everybody. Everyone yeah. touches on it, but they just yeah. you feel it to a larger or a lesser extent. Exactly. And uh, you just touched on it now is, you know, it's taking the power mm. out of it, talking about, you know, issues. It's, it's taking the power out of your own thoughts and thinking, oh, somebody else feels exactly the same, you know, way as I do or has thought the same way as I do. Mm. And, um, and again, it's, you know, the more it's talked about, the less there's the stigma attached to mental health. Um, it's not that pink elephant in the room anymore. anymore do you know what I mean? Yeah. You know, and yeah. everybody, you know, has similar feelings or similar experiences uh, and that we could help each other with. Um, you know, kind of lives are lost every day, you know, or debilitated and it just cripples everybody on, a, you know, on an individual, you know, basis mm. and so you know depression is one of the leading causes of ill health and disability worldwide so you know it's something that needs to be talked about and 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 helped you know we do talk a lot um but i think it's also getting those strategies in place as well <laughs> yeah i think so and a big thing that we are kind of going to talk about as well is sort of sport and how that can play a certain role and i think a lot of the time we fall back on this idea that sometimes um people that are in particular industries that are very successful or wealthy are um somehow not or shouldn't be affected by um mental health illnesses and i think that's quite an old fashioned view or maybe an ill-informed view of 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 what mental health is essentially um but also identifying that so so often i think people say oh if you go and do like physical health sport arguably are similar things um but that's often part of a treatment that people would say actually if you if you can go and take part in more activities or socialize or or whatever um it's kind of interesting to see it from that side as well of mm. uh, how often are we told go for a walk or go for a run or things like that and oh for me yeah per- for me personally those things have massively helped but yeah that's for me um, and I'm quite aware that some people are not able to um, or wouldn't benefit from doing those things as well. And it's kind of weighing that up as well, I guess. Yeah. Um, when you talk about, let me just go back to, are you talking about yeah. sports for mental health benefits? Are you talking about I rolled from athlete? one into the other. <laughs> yeah. So I, was, <laughs> I wasn't quite sure are you talking about um, elite sports athletes or are you talking about why are they having mental health issues because they're in sport which is supposed to make you feel good is that Mm. what you mean i I, yeah i kind of was picking up on like three different questions at the same time yeah you were (laughs) (laughs) yeah welcome to the podcast (laughs) (laughs) no pressure (laughs) um yeah but i'm meant to know what i'm doing (laughs) 
But you um, do. <laughs> yeah, I guess if we started off with kind of the the benefit of that as a as a potential sort of treatment or aid for some people. Um, I think for me, I mean, sports always been you know a great kind of leveler for me. It's, you know, calms me down, makes me feel great. I mean, you're looking at the sort of biochemistry of the brain when you exercise, you know, especially outdoor exercise, you know, your endorphins go up, especially if it's in the sunshine, mm. you get your vitamin D, which helps with, you know, things like depression. Um, so sports, you're getting you moving, movement, meditation, anything like that is, is, is beneficial to most people. If a person find it difficult getting out say they've got agoraphobia then there's 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 ways of just you know doing some gentle exercises or you know uh exercises in the house which will just help lift the mood anything to lift the mood in a gentle way is is really really good um i think when you're talking about sports that's a very different kind of thing yep mm. it will make they, like say for instance footballer you know, let's talk about football we're watching football today World Cup. <laughs> you know. But, you know, uh, apart from it being a, you know, sport and very fit, they also have, I think sports people are looked after and athletes are looked after very much on the physical side of things. Mm. Um, uh, after talking to, and this is what got me interested in um, mental health and football, after talking to a friend of mine, Adebayek in Fenwa, I think most people call him the beast. Yes. Um and he sort of talked about how some of his friends, you know, in the sports uh, world, in the football world, have been affected and they've really gone to the dark side and, and, and had very, very little, very little help. And, you know, a lot were suffering in silence. And, you know, his firsthand uh, experience of some of his friends, you know, was quite dark. And he just felt that it was his duty to kind of raise the awareness uh, of mental health and, and and some of the footballers that are struggling on that and I was quite surprised a bit like yourself well you know but the footballers though you know he's yeah. great he's a great guy you know he's always you know he's a very very balanced person he's really got himself you know to that point where he's just level mm. um but for me I was quite surprised to hear that was the case because I thought again stereotype footballer successful you know shouldn't have a have any problems at mm. all just like music industry but what he said was that, you know, for, you know, the physical side of things, they have everybody there. They've got the physios, they've got the sports, you know, sports therapists, everybody. Yeah. But there wasn't, there wasn't much in terms of the mental health side of the person, which, as we know, you know, is extremely important for balance, mm. you know, emotional fitness, but anything is very, very important. And um, again, it's a high, it's a high stress profession. Yeah. If you look at it that way, um, you know, we'll look at them particularly, you know, they've got elevated levels of scrutiny, mm. you know, um, they've got, you know, performance related stress, you know, scoring goals is important, winning trophies and media scrutiny is, is huge. Social media, when was talking the other day, Leon McKenzie, how social media almost broke him. Um, you know, they, the effects of the negativity on social media, if you hadn't scored the goal or, you know, you become objectified on social media as a footballer, or as a sports person or as a personality. You're not a person anymore. And, you know, the levels of remarks, uh, you know, can be really, really negative, you know. On And then there's also the pressure of your, you know, of your adoring fans. You know, there's a high expectation for them for you to do well. So... I think you know, looking... it's a really interesting point, isn't it? Because how often do we do we talk about it from that side of actually a lot of the time we end up doing this the comparison of of pay or achievement or things like that. But how often when we're doing our job, are we surrounded by hundreds or thousands of people that are going to criticise every time we do a very small mistake? Exactly. And if we have one or two bad days, we're probably not going to lose our job. <laughs> and I think that's, like you say, the the stress of that, definitely, mm-hmm. I think, yes, some people will be more affected than others, but you can't deny that yep. that is heavily going to affect a large percentage of people, I would imagine. And Yeah. Um, it's... Exactly. I mean, anybody in the public eye... Um, 
you know, who's in a high performance um, sports, mm. you know, is, is subject to criticism. You know, uh, fear of failure is a, is a big one. Um, you know, look at the youngsters signing for their first contract, the stress yeah. of transitioning from an academy where they they probably get £20 a week pocket money from mum and dad to like £20,000, £50,000 a week is phenomenal yeah. for mental health. You know, that needs to be looked into, you know, you know, getting, you know, youngsters prepared for that that transition, signing contracts. Mm. And even young players exiting the game really early or funding drops, massive, massive pressure mental health wise. Somebody who's always, always played the game, lived, breathed football, all of a sudden they're dropped and all of a sudden they're forgotten about. Yeah, you, you can't, like you, you say, especially you, the... Oh, it's a stereotype with younger people but especially those people that are leaving their career that's it's not planned and it is through injury and things like that um yeah you've got the the mental health side of, of just having the injury even if it was like oh i'm going to be out for so long or i need to recover or i'm yeah. injured that's going to have mm-hmm. a, a mental health ramification anyway it let has. alone the the yeah. impact of the career well, the impact is, you know, again, you know, one perfect example is Liam McKenzie was just like constant injury and how it really played havoc with his mental health and depression. And it's it's no, you know, it's no, uh, it's all public. And it's, 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 there's a film out coming out shortly. But, you know, he talked about he was suicidal. He tried to commit suicide because he was sick of having these injuries. He was sick of letting his team down. And, you know, he felt, you know, once you once you have an injury, you're dropped. You know, you kind of somebody else comes along, and that's it. So there's always that that threat of constant injury, being dropped. You know, being released, having to retire early, and it's a bit of a roller coaster. I know we've had. Um, I think just before the World Cup started, we had Danny Rose, didn't we? Talk about mm. um, his injury and fear of. Um, the repercussions of what that would mean for him, and mm-hmm. also mm-hmm. spoke about obviously some of the um, the concerns about going to to Russia and the culture that they might experience there, and again, mm. all the different things that can impact on someone that actually doesn't have a, a regular base or workplace environment. That it, no. you are exposed in a a larger sense than I think people recognise mm. that aren't part of mm. yeah. um, an industry like that. <clears throat> I think, yeah, I mean, again, another example was from Adebayo Akinfen with a beast. And he said when he went to um, play for, I think it was Lithuania. I think it was Lithuania over Poland. And yeah. he said, this was, what, 10, 15 years ago? Oh. And the level of racism he had to experience, you know, signed to this club mm. uh, was, was phenomenal um, for him to expect to play well you know, physically, mentally, you know, it was very, very difficult. You know, the level of racism on the pitch, off the pitch, yeah. he was just surrounded by people who really just didn't want him there, mm. you know. So can you imagine also somebody coming in from another country to England that they have to bring their families, they have to acclimatise, they've signed a contract and they've got to get up and playing quickly. So there could be language yeah. barriers, um, you know, cultural barriers all sorts going on mm. um, so when someone's transferred transferring it does mean you know having to transform into into another culture another society yeah. and and sometimes that takes time and again that is an added pressure mm. well, when i've spoken to um guests on the podcast before and they've spoken about particularly as a, a young black male as well that being really mm. difficult to actually just acknowledge to themselves um and i think that's from my I, because i haven't experienced that i completely associate with the, the like the young male side or the male mm-hmm. side i didn't struggle as much when i was younger but that male side of actually yeah it's really difficult to come forward and talk about your um your emotions or your feelings or the things that you're struggling mm. with or feel you're failing mm. with mm. um absolutely someone to sort of say i had all that plus i felt because of my culture or my appearance actually i was even less well received by certain people when i talk about this yeah like i can't believe that that's still a thing that Mm. like i understand i understand the mental health side and the stigma that comes with that and why we're battling that 
but mm-hmm. it just I don't know you get caught up don't you in your everyday life and you're like oh where it appears like race is is not a problem in certain areas but it's still heavily affecting um a lot yes. of people in that conversation of mental health yeah yeah I think racism is definitely intertwined with mental health issues um and also with our culture as well I mean I come from an African background and you don't you, re- you don't really talk about mental health issues hmm. uh still um things like addiction you don't talk about it yeah um culturally same for you know uh males as well the girl lgbt community mm. you know black black male black female that's even more of a stigma yeah um, so yeah mental health issues are compounded by certain situations certain cultures and again mm. I, I think it is that side of i guess kind of like we mentioned earlier it's not or i don't know i could be wrong it's not that these are they're not um completely different issues it's the same issues but they're just being Mm. felt to a much higher degree and again it's like how can we that can be maybe not eradicated but it can be and it should be being lessened um Mm. and in the last couple yeah, go on. Sorry. Yeah, I was going to say, in the last couple of podcasts, we've started to talk about um, like self-stigma a lot. And I think mm. that's going to be something where it's almost like that's the aim. <laughs> like we should be mm-hmm. pushing back. So actually, the, the issue is the self-stigma that's being fought. There isn't the stigma in the society, but we're just mm-hmm. so far away from that still, I think. Um, like I say, because it's been more... Um, you talk about the negative self-talk. Y- yeah that sort of stuff that you're like actually it's you beating yourself up rather than the response you're getting from other people yeah yeah um, i think that's there's a, a definite point in that mm, definitely yeah um, um but with a negative self-talk um sometimes can come from what people have already heard yeah um as i said you know there's a lot of things are made aware now in the public domain in in the news in the media but you know certain things people would latch on to and maybe make it their issue. Um, So that's something that, yeah, again, it's a good, that's a good uh, phrase, self-stigma. Yeah, Yeah. I think it's, um, like I said, it's kind of, again, it's just starting to talk about those things that everyone feels that. Those people that don't identify as having a a mental health illness, will still feel elements of, of self-stigma about certain things or oh did I walk really funny when I came in the door uh, what does my shirt look like um like yeah. we all feel that it's just some of us are feeling it to a higher degree um yeah <laughs> and more regularly I think I think it's again it's just been um not just been but getting comfortable with yourself mm-hmm. and and that's what um I remember somebody saying to me, and I just said, you know, how, right in the early days for myself, is how did you get comfortable with getting sober, you know, freeing yourself from addiction? And they said, getting comfortable with yourself, liking yourself. Yeah. Knowing your levels of self-care, your negotiables, your non-negotiables for yourself. You know, but but getting comfortable with you, you know, being being familiar with yourself, you know, to that extent that, you know, life around you is okay. Because mm. you are a reflection, you know, your inner is a reflection of your outer, isn't it? Yeah. I think it's yeah. kind of from that as well. I think it's interesting that I remember a couple of years ago there was a few footballers that were talking about um, like yoga and meditation and things like that. I think it was, um, oh, uh, I think it was Jamie Carragher and Ryan Giggs were talking about like extending their careers yes. and things like yeah. that. And I, it was really yeah. interesting because I was like, oh, okay, that sounds really cool. Great. But I don't remember at any stage there ever being any conversation about like the mental health side of, like the meditation or the yoga or the things that they were doing. Um, oh, yeah. I, think, um, I, could, I could have completely missed that, but it all seemed very no, physical. Yeah, I think it's, you know, there was there's a big thing, and I think it's it's getting better and better, is is there's 
for instance, in football, there is more yoga, mm. definitely, uh, more acupuncture um, also. Um, but the holistic therapies like massage, I mean, massage is, is a physical is a physical thing, but it's, it's breaking down toxins in the muscles and, mm. and releasing it. And that's also breaking down stress. You know, stress stress chemicals are are, are released yeah. um, in, in a detoxification process. Um, there was a football player; I cannot remember his name, um, and he decided to. And I spoke to him, and that he decided to because he was having so many injuries um, that he went vegetarian. Okay. And um, there was less lactic less lactic acid buildup in his muscles, therefore less injury. Wow. You also find when someone's got a you know, more calm and balanced persona, they are also less prone to injury. So things like meditation has become a, a thing in football. Um, aromatherapy is also good because it's particularly effective in helping muscle tension mm-hmm. and extreme muscle stiffness. So in the sporting world, it's effective in pain, as a painkiller and an anti-inflammatory. Mm-hmm. Um, so yoga reduces... Injury increases flexibility, but it's also it's a balancer. It's a spiritual balancer as well. So as much as people might use yoga as a physical thing, it's also a spiritual thing, and inadvertently people get that benefit as well if they didn't think that that, that it was part of it. Yeah, I've just never really heard anyone sort of talk about that side of it. I don't know. Maybe it's just yeah. I'm not sure. I just I... what within within sport you mean or within football? yeah. I'm like I know it's happening. I know that like like you say <laughs> with with the massage and the yoga. I know that there is a mental health benefit because they are doing it. But I just don't ever really hear anyone say, oh, as a benefit of doing that, we're also. Da-da-da-da. It's all just always very. It's a physical health benefit, like you say. It's physical, injuries, yeah, or, yeah, because it because I think it's more acceptable. Probably, <laughs> I think it's more acceptable to talk as a physical benefit yeah. um, as a, a spiritual benefit because that's a little bit more um, not so alpha male and yeah. uh, the stereotype of you know people think or oh, you know maybe the mass majority of people might think oh, it's a bit girly or yeah. you know if you're talking to their audience they're 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 they're, they're males, you know used to doing as it you know doing things as you do it and get in there my son so we start talking about aromatherapy and you know massage I think it'd be kind of laughed at or frowned upon so maybe that's not as it's you know highlighted as much yeah. in the um, public arena as possible but yeah they're, they're, they are starting to um and with the I guess kind of jumping on a little bit from the side of the um the kind of the post career side almost of of top level sport and I know we're kind of focusing in on football and the mm. the high number of people that seem to come out with um kind of addictive personalities, whether that is around sort of spending or gambling, drinking gambling. um yes. gambling's it, the main thing. It just there um, seems to be so much um, and is that because yeah. mental health isn't really looked at while they're in sport and they're kind of coming out? Well, I mean, don't forget you've lived, just think of this, just think of it like this. This person has lived, breathed, you know, sport all their life. Mm. They're known for that in the public arena. They're known ex Johnny Smith, oh, great football player. He's been fantastic. And don't forget they've lived a high-octane life, mm. you know, a high adrenaline, you know, training all the time, adulation, yeah. everything. You know, that's that's an adrenaline pumping, endorphins, dopamine, you name it, boom, 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 mm. boom. <clears throat> and then that, excuse me, um, that person, that personality comes to retirement. All of a sudden, people don't, you know, it's not in the public arena anymore. Yeah. People don't come up to them. That adrenaline, that that scoring goals or winning trophies, that's all gone. They want to get that. They want to get that feeling back. You know, they want to try and maintain that feeling and that feeling of that dopamine rush, that adrenaline rush. All that comes from gambling. All that comes from alcohol or drug taking or spending. 
and they're trying to get that feeling back that they had right from the beginning of their career that <gasps> that rush and unfortunately it's all very short term and very catastrophic um and also some of these um conditions these addictions for instance they were probably there during their time but it's just been heightened yeah uh, as a as a replacement mm. uh, gambling is something that kind of can start you know way into you know uh, sort of early teens for instance you know anxiety and depression gambling can start way before the person goes into football or sport um, as a coping mechanism um, so these are things that are quite interesting to look at as, as somebody retires. It's like, you know, where did this stem from? But the fact is that how do we how do we move you forward? And that's what recovery, you know, specialists do is, you know, let's let's move you forward. I suppose, like you say, it's looking at the fact that it hasn't just made you someone that is um, now interested in gambling. You were gambling already. It was just smaller amounts mm. or you had other things yeah. going on and that. The upside of the stress that we spoke about earlier that stress mm-hmm. and the adrenaline the excitement the pressure mm. having that suddenly yeah. go and being in like you say in a situation where actually you felt that on a possibly day-to-day but definitely week-to-week basis mm. to suddenly mm. then go oh that's now it like that yeah. drop off is very much it's I'm... very steep it's yeah. very very steep there's see... someone who's been in a public eye, someone who's been adulated, uh, you know, someone who's like, you know, having autographs, signing autographs all the time, you know, the paparazzi, the media, the everything. It's just, it's just, wow. Hmm. So you can imagine what happens when it all goes quiet. Well, I think we look, you look at, for me, like people that are in any form of services, we see a lot of talk about how they're affected physically and a lot about how they are physically how they're affected mentally now um of coming out of those like high stress high pressure situations mm. now at elite level in sport they are going through very similar types of things i think it, again it's, yes. it's high pressured okay maybe your life isn't going to end but actually your life as you know it could um mm. your your career your home your environment could completely change based on what happens on Saturday. Um, And I think, yeah, although maybe it's it's not as serious, I think there is definitely some sort of parity there. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. And it's, it's looking at the long game, pardon the Mm. pun. Um, Mm. Again, it's a level of education, which I think needs to be, I think might be being put in place is, you know, educating elite sports personalities um what happens when you do retire what happens if you have to take an early retirement what have we got in place what have you got in place what can we help you with yeah you know to develop a a career after that um so it's not just a a sudden drop off i think it's just preparation and education Mm. you know Mm. on a a regular basis it's not just one topic and it's forgotten about it's you know what can we put in place? What can you do? You know, what what was your passion before football or sport? You know, what can we expand on? I think it's also looking at other things that might potentially be relevant. And we talk about, um, I know at the moment there's a lot of publicity around um, suicide and that being the biggest killer of I think it's men under men, men under forty five, but I think it's yes. also the biggest killer of all genders between like twenty and thirty five. Um, right. Yeah. So you're kind of thinking about okay, so the sort of age that people are coming out of sport. Well, even if they're at the younger end, and they're this is something that they've worked towards while they've been in in the school. Um, that's right they're going to be hitting that sort of 16 to 20 possibly when they go out actually i'm not good enough or you start to push your body more and you you get an injury that means actually you can't Mm. take this professionally um and actually you're gonna you're for most sports you're gonna sit right in that bracket where you're at a higher risk of exactly and yeah that would be a concern as well i think 
I think it's a huge concern, and, and as I said, there have been personalities that have, you know, have committed suicide, unfortunately, um, within within the sports um, profession. And I think it's just really important to look at, again, most people who try to commit suicide and, you know, thankfully survive, you know, their, their, biggest, their biggest thing was that they, they, they never talked about it. Mm. Um, they were scared to go and, out and talk about it because it showed sign of weakness as a sports personality they were supposed to handle they're, they're regarded as superheroes or amazing and therefore all their problems they they handled themselves because they stereotyped themselves and let the public stereotype them yeah so they wouldn't they wouldn't come out they think well you know i'm i'm so and so so and so i'm supposed to be able to handle these myself mm-hmm. um so it becomes a really Lots of high expectations of themselves, I think, is crippling. Mm. You think of how much pressure people feel now coming forward to talk about mental health, let alone, like you say, having that additional thing of, oh, if I come forward, I might actually be um, put on the front of a a magazine or a newspaper and someone talking about my story before I even really know what's going on. Yeah, I think 90, you know, they say one in four of us kind of, you know, suffer from mental health, you know, in in, mm. in any one year. 90% of those that have come forward and talked about their mental health have been discriminated against. So that's, that's shocking, isn't it? It's 90% have been discriminated yeah. against. Hence, you can imagine in the sports world that you, you, you'd be less, far mm. less likely to come forward. Number one, because you think you'd be dropped, um, and people have been dropped quickly because of a mental health issue mm. uh, and not supported, and that I know of. And, um, you know, you, you deemed as, well, you're just unfit to play yeah. or to, fit to perform. Whereas let's let's deal with that. You know, let's deal with your emotional fitness. Let's deal with your resilience. What can we do to get you on, on par? And looking mm. at the emotional side and, and the mental side as well as the physical side equally, so, in fact, you know, when they don't come forward, it's there's there's valid valid reasons in their sport mm. that they don't come forward. Um, and don't forget, they've got you know huge coveted careers that you know they could lose overnight. And I think as well, it's also looking at the as as we continue to encourage people to talk more. Um, I think it's also important to recognize like getting other people to be comfortable listening as well and thinking yeah. if that person feels able to maybe start a conversation about mental health or mental health illness that they can sit down and the other person is going to be more receptive to that and um, understand yeah. that they don't have to know answers and just feel comfortable to sit yeah. and chat with someone and um, yeah. I think that's a side we really need to sort of encourage more as well and Mm-hmm. Not necessarily always put the um, the pressure on someone to, right, okay, I, I've got to go out and initiate a conversation about this, but to mm-hmm. provide sort of opportunities or get people to recognise some of those opportunities um, that are there as well, I think. Oh, absolutely. And I think just make it the norm, mm. you know, and, 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 you know, talking about, you know, good mental health and poor mental health altogether. So it's not just be about, poor mental health it's like you know what does good mental health look like for you um you know i would say you know when sort of coaching sports individuals that going forward i just think everyone could have a buddy Mm. you know having a a buddy and it's just talking to somebody every day whether it could be a friend or a relative or somebody that you know well and just say look you know i'm just going to check in every day yeah and just just and it could be just a little silly conversation for a minute or whatever. And what happens over a period of time, you know, if, if this is happening over long periods of time, weeks, months, that the person who, for instance, the person doesn't check in for a week, what's going on? Uh, the person is starting to sound a little bit down or a bit. Uh, you can check that person before things start to spiral, you start to recognise. Because what tends to happen is, you know, when somebody does have a mental health issue, they stop talking mm. and they tend to isolate. So that's why I always think having a buddy is a really, really great idea is, uh, you know, 
that's what happens in things like 12 step you have a buddy but i think mm-hmm. in general i think it'd be great principle for someone just to say i'm going to check in with you you know every day could be just for a minute whatever not a message not a text a quick chat yeah uh and that person will soon notice and vice versa as well but mm. something might not be quite right or the person disappears for a week or two something is wrong or they say, just having that right, constant check-in yeah yeah and and people getting used to then being able to if there's a problem being able to then be able to talk about it rather mm. than not talking about something for ages and all of a sudden bam they're going to have to sort of speak to somebody that they can't so i think having a buddy um is a way forward a very small way forward I think it's all all of those ideas as well, though. Those are the things we need to re- really think about. So often we're drawn towards the crisis side of conversations yeah. and issues. And um, this is it. That's and I do. We're... I really do believe in prevention. Definitely mm. prevention and ways to look at the well-being, as in from the range of feeling good to feeling awful, and how can we get people on that kind of starting point where things are great. And uh, because you said one in four people are going to suffer a mental health issue at some stage. So mm. why don't we start just having that conversation of connecting with each other, just picking yeah. up the phone and saying hi. A lot of the yeah. time we don't do that these days. A lot of the time it's messaging or emailing or texting or Snapchatting. Mm. There's no, you know, we're hiding behind social media an awful lot. And you're hiding a lot of mental health issues behind behind that, just by messaging each other. I think, like you say, sometimes it's it, you're missing out on that natural opportunity to have a conversation, aren't you? Really? And yeah, yeah. Um, I think it's vital. You've got that, um, like the one in four being affected. But I always think it's one of those stats where I'm like, everyone knows like three or four people. So if it's not yeah, you, it's exactly. going to be someone you know. So everyone is yeah. affected, really. Um, yeah. I just yeah having those natural conversations it's a really nice kind of point to to promote people kind of just going away and checking in with people and um especially if you've got someone that you spoke to kind of on a regular ish basis and they've started to drop away like Mm. yeah maybe they don't like you but (laughs) just just kind of check in and check check they're okay yeah it's just nice to call I I, you know I come from that generation (laughs) uh where we picked up the phone and had a chat, you know, um, my two sons, 17 and 15, they would rather message than pick up the phone and talk to their friend. Yeah. And uh, I think a lot, there's a lot of loneliness come in as well with Facebook and social media. Um, the level of loneliness or people feeling lonely has shot up um, because they can, they can just converse on Facebook and whatever. And not have that conversation. I think that's the thing, isn't it? Like, there's there's lots of positives of of social networking and social media, but actually, you need to you do need to recognise the dangers and, like you say, being becoming more isolated and particularly, I think, the stuff around just talking to people. I mean, how often do you see now like people actually struggle with really basic kind of sort of social skills? Yeah. how much like they're really really intelligent and really knowledgeable about stuff um mm. but small things like sharing a conversation they can't quite work mm. that's because yeah. you're used to the like you say with text messages or, or whatever it's it's a turn taking exercise and you know when it's your turn yeah when yeah. and when you sit and talk to someone it doesn't work like that like sometimes no. their point is longer than your point or they have a couple of points or or you have a couple of points but <laughs> You absolutely were, yeah and it's, i see small things like that sometimes i think oh that's that's where the drop-off is and um, yeah yeah you could get, you could get yeah. into that so much more but <laughs> spending <laughs> another like two or three hours again, I think that's, that. again it's like it's this sense of you know i think i'm going off a tangent here a sense of community mm. that you know you're sort of sitting in a tube or a bus and they're speaking to each other or mm. it'd be nice if someone to just turn around and just make a point of going hi how are you you know or you know not sitting at a dinner table mm. you know in a restaurant and you know you're on your phone put your phone in your bag switch it off yeah it makes me laugh you when know, you say about the tube 
I remember uh, <laughs> when we were hosting the Olympics in uh, 2012 and everyone was like, oh, we're all talking to each other on the train and the tubes. And I'm like, yeah, doesn't that show how weird it is the rest of the time? Yeah. We're all sat next to each other, not talking to anybody. Uh, just make communication a norm. Just yeah. make it a norm, you know. That'd be um, so, so cool. That'd be so amazing. It's been lovely to sit down and have a chat with you. I've really enjoyed yeah. it. Yeah. Um, I've enjoyed want to find it as well. Thank you for inviting me on. Oh, no, you're welcome. If people want to find out <laughs> a little bit more about you or about the things that you're doing, um, mm-hmm. how's the best way for them to kind of find out about you? Um, on the, uh, my website is www.thesoberadvantage.com. Nice and easy one there. Yeah. Um, and I think you've got, um, there's like the Twitter handle as well. I think it's pretty much the same, isn't it? Because I'm sure it's I've seen something. It's all the same. Yeah, Twitter yeah. And, and, um, and my Instagram as well. Oh, you've it's got in there at the right time. Quick, get everything. Get in there. <laughs> <laughs> Worry about whether I'm going to use it later, but make sure yeah. I've got my name. <laughs> and please, if there's anybody out there struggling at all, um, please don't hesitate to contact me at all, okay? I think that's Thank you. It's, it's having reach, so yeah, cool. Yeah. Oh, lovely to speak cool. to you. You too. Enjoy the rest of your evening. And you too. Thanks a lot. Bye. 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 These are real people. They do have struggles. And it starts to get on my nerves. I just shut down. So many people suffer from mental illness. She's not a great match for me, and that's okay. A lot of people don't understand the depth of the situation, so they can't appreciate, yeah. Dad came upstairs, and then I heard him say, like, it's happened, and I was like, what's happened? It's difficult dealing with our minds. To get the word out that men have got to start talking. I feel like a lot of the friends that I did have have sort of stopped speaking to me because of it. And the suicidal thoughts were back. People knew that there was something not right, but they just never really said anything or probably felt like it wasn't their place to say anything. Not only did this help me to write it, mm. it potentially might have helped some other people as well. So it sort of started from there. And then she was like, hey, tell me a bit about what's going on. So I told her everything and her face dropped. You're not depressed, it's, it's all in your head. That's probably the statement I've had people say the most. I mean, this, this, this shit is real and it's hard, it's exhausting. So many people think they're alone. And then you hear other people talk about it and they think, oh, that's, you know, that's so brave or I could relate to that. Um, and then they want to talk about it.